friends and welcome to the second season of the I Belong Here podcast. I'm so excited to bring this new season to all of you and thank you so much for staying with us during the first one, for all the sharing, retweeting, posting, etc. I'm so excited for you to discover all the new role models that we have interviewed because you are going to listen to lots of stories, lots of backgrounds, lots of cool science and overall lots of women empowerment. So now, sit back, relax, and have fun listening to all the episodes. And she said, don't you change, but I can't help these thoughts up in my brain, yeah. She's breaking me down. Hey guys, welcome to this new episode of the I Belong Here podcast. Today, I'm really excited to present you a fellow podcaster of my own. Her name is Asma. Hey, Asma. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm all good. How are you today? I am phenomenal. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you here today because uh, we have been planning this interview for a while and I'm really excited (laughs) to talk to you about the many different things that you do for your podcast and uh, also in terms of women in science and also your trajectory. So I'm really excited about uh, all these things that you are going to tell us today. Um, So before I start to ask you a lot of questions... (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to tell the our audience a bit more about you. Uh, so yeah. guys, listen to this. Uh, Dr. Asma Bashir completed her PhD in neuroscience at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver after having completed her BA in psychology at Boston University. As a founder and host of Her Royal Science, a podcast created to feature individuals from minoritized groups in STEM, she creates audio and written content delving into the most cutting-edge STEM research in an accessible manner, with the simultaneous goal of highlighting the individuals behind the research. Now, this is unbelievable because I think (laughs) you like actually hit one spot, which is highlighting the individuals behind the research. I love that sentence because that's one of the things that I want to do with this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will get to that in a bit because um, I'm curious about your scientific trajectory. You did have cheesy mm-hmm. neuroscience, which yes. sounds incredibly cool. Uh, so <laughs> would you like to tell us a bit more, how did you end up in this cheesy neuroscience and what are you doing right now in terms of science? <laughs> Sounds good. So I ended up doing a PhD in neuroscience because of a class that I took as an undergraduate student. As you said, I did my BA in psychology and one of the elements of my degree was fulfilling a general science requirement. I had already taken human biology, loved it. I was a big fan of, you know, the human biological systems. And the other course that I chosen to take was neuroscience. And I kind of just, you know, we choose courses months in advance and I'd forgotten about it. The semester comes, I walked into the class and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I was absolutely blown away by this world that I was really unfamiliar with. I wanted to know more, obviously as a psychology major, I was learning more about human behavior on the outside and perhaps how humans interact with each other. Mm 
but there was a, this element that I was missing, the biological basis. And yeah. that also predicates so much of behavior. So I thought, okay, cool. I'll take as many neuro courses as I can. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a psych major because I had a lot of electives as well. And they fulfill a lot of the same requirements. And I spoke to the head of the neuroscience department at BU at Boston University. And I was like, by the way, neuroscience is really cool. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, why aren't you a neuro major? He, he knew me at that point, which I found fascinating. I was like, why do you know who I am? I'm not even in your department. But he was like, no, I know you did well in my class. And you know, you have such a passion for this work. Why aren't you a neuro major? And I'm like, mm. I don't, I, I don't know, but I don't want to switch my major now. So um, I'll do a grad degree later on, mm-hmm. which is what I ended up doing. After I finished off my degree, I actually did take a year off because mm-hmm. I did my undergrad fairly quickly. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not going to burn out. I'm not yeah. going to jump right from undergrad into grad school. I was 20. Like, no, it was way too quick. And so I kind of traveled a bit and spent time with my family. And I also taught Arabic for a year, which is really sad to say because I've forgotten a lot of it. <laughs> that was the point where I was like super fluent. I had done six semesters of Arabic as an undergrad. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a little sad to realize now how much I've forgotten. And then I went to the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, and I studied under the supervision of Dr. Cheryl Wellington, who at that point in time was predominantly known as an Alzheimer's disease researcher, Mm -hmm. but she had very recently ventured into this world of traumatic brain injury, which is what I was super, super interested in. Mm -hmm. I wanted to study something that was really accessible in the sense that anyone could get a a TBI at any point in their life. Like I could be walking outside, get hit by a car, hit my head. I could be playing a sport, hit my head. I could fall down, hit my head. It can happen to anyone of any background at any time. And I really wanted to do something for my PhD that was like that, that could connect a lot of people either through their own personal experiences or things that they've seen other people or people watching sports and watching American football and they've seen concussions happen. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So I, decided to to do that. And I uh, worked on optimizing an animal model of traumatic brain injury. Oh, wow. So um, for those who might be listening in the audience, so animal models are used to elaborate and ameliorate certain human conditions by, you know, expanding our understanding. So we don't know a lot about TBI Mm -hmm. because TBIs can be so different across people. They're so heterogeneous. But animal models help us understand what some of the pathways might be, the patterns of injury and recovery. And over time, we might be able to develop drugs and other therapeutics that might assist in the space of TBI, because it Mm -hmm. is a fairly big problem, not only in the Western world, but also in lower to middle income countries. It really does affect a lot of people. Mm So with this model, we were able to pinpoint a a number of different pathological consequences. So we wanted to make sure that in this model, we had evidence of microglial disruption and astrocytic um, inflammation, as well as blood-brain barrier breach, because that's a key feature of human TBI. We also wanted to see whether or not there were behavioral consequences. So a lot of people think about memory deficits and aggression and gambling and things like that when they think of someone who sustained a, a number of small injuries. So that's something that we wanted to explore as well, with the hope that when I finished my doctoral thesis, we'd be able to say this model can be used in the future to create a therapeutic that has a great potential to help people in the future. Because right now there is no drug that is a one size fits all for TBI. You kind of get you know, symptoms taken care of on an individualistic basis, but who knows, maybe in 20 years, there might be a magical pill that you go, Oh, so you're, you got hit in your head. Okay. Take this pill. Take when this. You arrive at the ER. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> That's kind of me in a nutshell up until my PhD. And then as we were discussing prior to the recording of this podcast, I went and did a very brief postdoc at the University of Edinburgh with Dr. Blanca Diaz-Castro. And mm-hmm. she was starting a lab that was focusing on Alzheimer's disease and blood-brain barrier inflammation with a particular focus on astrocytes and the end feet of those astrocytes, as well as endothelial cells. Mm-hmm. So I was there for a little while and COVID hit Yeah, <laughs> and we were in the UK and I am not from the UK. So I was away from home mm. and I kind of just cut my losses and said, yeah, I think it's time to put a pause yes. on science and lab-based work. So I started doing a lot more online things, which is great. Mm-hmm. And the, the podcast really became the love child that now funds the rest of my life. And my yes. husband is in school as well. So that's where I am today. <laughs> well, that's a so interesting journey and full of, you know, like a specific moments that it seemed that they 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 mark the start for the next uh, steps in your life, right? It seems yeah. that it's full of specific moments that they delimited where were you gonna go next? If that makes sense. Um, yeah. So I think your your thesis content was amazing because oh, I think once in my university a few years ago we had a seminar mm-hmm. about a neuroscientist that he he was talking to us about concussions in football yeah. players. Yeah, like how this was not even a thing a few decades ago, right? Yeah. Because yeah. they it was normal to play yeah. like that, right? But then a decades later, mm-hmm. they saw that these unfortunately these football players maybe they were dying because of yeah. these concussions that they had because they were repeated on time yeah. because obviously football was their professions, so they yeah. keep hitting their heads and then they didn't know how much that traumatic injury, even if it was tiny at the beginning, it was getting Mm -hmm. even deeper and deeper. And I think I also saw a documentary sometime about that, about many famous football players that they unfortunately passed away because of that. So I think the way the way you describe your thesis is amazing. And the way you you created this model, I think that's like top notch, I think is going to be like an amazing tool for people to to use for different stuff, right? Because I'm really interested about that in my field mm-hmm. of science, right? Creating models that they could yeah. be used for many different things, right? Yes. And um, you could test also drugs, I assume, right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. That's something that I know was on the table as I was leaving, Mm-hmm. I think that would probably turn into someone else's doctoral yes. thesis yeah. and, you know, investigating certain pathways that might be able to ameliorate the, mm-hmm. you know, astrocytic changes, the microglial changes, the blood yeah. barrier breach, et cetera. But yeah, I think that's the thing that I was really excited about. I knew that we might begin to explore these things, but as we share this platform, because it has been disseminated to a number of different institutions around the world now, they get to start exploring different aspects as well. Mm-hmm. And they get to say, okay, well, we're interested in, you know, this particular drug of interest, this, you know, I don't know, blood pressure drug, how does it affect the brain? Can it be used in this way? It's already FDA approved. So people are also so creative to intertwine the things that they're already studying in this field that I think, you know, the the reach is endless. And that's the exciting part about the work that I'm, exactly. I'm really proud of the work that we did over the time that I was at UBC. Yeah. Well, you should, because it also seems quite complicated because I mean, <laughs> what else is more complicated than the brain, right? I mean, there must be so many different things that you should connect and consider to create a model for that. 
Um, oh, yeah. So I think it's like a very, very valid work and very, um, I'm sure is really appreciative by the scientific community because like I said, you can use it for so many things and people can benefit so much from it because sometimes the problems are also that drugs and things that are commercialized and FDA approved, they are Mm -hmm. great, but no one knows why. We know that it's not toxic. We know that it doesn't (laughs) harm you. Yeah. But how does it really, I don't know, cut your pain? How does it really mm-hmm. cross the blood-brain barrier? How mm-hmm. does it really do X, Y, Z? So the creation of these models is so important to study different processes or how tissue remodels or how tissue is being regenerated or how does it change a specific pathway after you give this drug? Um, so yeah, I could be talking about this for ages, but yeah, <laughs> it's just, it seems so interesting. Um And the second thing that I think it was great from the things that you described to us right now is Mm -hmm. how you decided to put the pause at that point in your career, you know, when COVID hit and then go back and leave the UK and go back to where you are now. Um, So I think it was very wise of you, you know, to come back to where you are now and leave the UK and put a pause on your uh, postdoc or on your trajectory at that point, because not a lot of people will be brave enough to do that. I know that because of COVID, the circumstances were different. Um, mm. But how how did you feel at that point? Like, obviously, um, disregarding, if I can say that, COVID, how mm. did you felt at that point? And you prioritize yourself and then going back home? Because mm. this might seem like a given, mm. but it's not like that for so many people. So I'm interested to, yeah. to navigate with you a bit around this topic? Yeah, I would say, I've always been of the belief that life is so much more precious than anything we do Mm -hmm. professionally. And I know we inherently know that, but I think we just don't say it out loud enough. No. And when I started realizing that we were kind of putting blinders on in the scientific community, saying, you know, I'm going to continue doing whatever it is that I'm doing. You know, I can go to the lab, so I'm going to go to the lab or, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not affected or my lab is partially open. So I'm going to do my thing. You guys figure out whatever it is that you're doing. I I didn't like the idea of contributing to that notion. Um, Unfortunately, (laughs) I don't want to say unfortunately, but my mother kind of raised me to not stand by and give my yes vote to things that I don't inherently believe in. Yeah. And I didn't inherently believe that the science that I was doing was more important than staying home and being respectful of people who might be immune compromised or just might not be able to leave their homes just because Mm -hmm. I can doesn't mean I should. Yeah. So I I could have continued and the lab was partially open at that point in time. And we were returning to normal, even though there were, I think, multiple lockdowns that happened after that as well. I could see that we weren't anywhere near the end and people were saying that we were. And I was like, I don't believe that. Yeah. And I just thought it was really unfortunate that that people weren't acknowledging that a lot of people were still in bad spots. Yes. Yeah, I think that's kind of what it comes down to. And I can talk about things in the past that I've done to kind of do the same thing where I go, I don't like the situation I'm leaving because that's the only thing I can do. I can't change the situation. I can't do anything about the world at large. But what I can do is say that I'm not going to say I'm okay with this by being here because that's that's your vote. Your vote is your presence. I I didn't like that. Well, I think that's a really valid point 
point of view and a very valid action that you took because yeah. I think at the end of the day, it's not only about COVID, right? It's also yeah. when you are in a bad environment or when you are surrounded by something that it literally doesn't make you feel good. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we really take it for granted just for the sake of work. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm mm-hmm. just going to do this. I'm just going to continue. I have whatever. It could be a thesis. It could be a permanent position. It could be working towards your tenure position. It doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. The thing is that we take sometimes so, so granted our health yeah. and our, you know, our, our well-being. Mm-hmm. And as I think sometimes as scientists, we are not kind with ourselves <laughs> at all. And it's, as long as that experiment gets done, as yeah. long as I get that postdoc, as long as I yeah. get that lecture, as long as yeah. I get my thesis, yeah. and I will go by. And uh, that's something that I learned the hard way throughout my PhD mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. well, my PhD was, was and is one of the things that I'm the most proud of in my life. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Um, I worked completely in sync with my supervisor and it was an amazing project, but yeah. I do know that sometimes I was working beyond my edge, you know, mm, mm-hmm. uh, it was, it was not good because as long as I got that work done, oh, it's just a bank holiday. It doesn't matter. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's just Easter Sunday or Easter mm-hmm. Monday. It doesn't really matter. So I just wanted to highlight to the, to the audience and, and in your episode that you took that decision mm-hmm. because it's so important that when we advocate for ourselves, because mm-hmm. not a lot of people do it. Um, yeah, because so, it's really hard to do. I, I do want to also say that mm. there was obviously an L. I can recognize the privilege of being able to say, I don't want to work, therefore I'm not going to. There were people who had had no choice, who said, you know, I've committed to do this, so I have to because I need to be able to pay my bills and all that kind of stuff. I recognize that. And I think both can be true at the same time. Like I was willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of the greater goal because I had moved country and it's not very cheap to do that. But I knew that God forbid something happened to me or something happened to my husband or something happened to my parents and I wasn't around and I was stuck in Scotland. Borders had closed and they're like, we're not bringing people back anymore. And I couldn't be there to help and assist my parents in the way that I would want to, or my brother, I think that would have been really devastating to me. And I'm not sure I would have forgiven myself for it. I'm the kind of person that is always pursuing probably an unhealthy level of perfection. And that kind of means at times that I try to be for people, the best version of myself to them. And so I want to be able to take a call if someone calls me and they need my help. But if I'm so tired because I was doing endless mice experiments that I can't be that kind of friend, is it worth it? I don't yeah. know. To some people it might be, but there came a point where I just decided that it wasn't. And yeah, it can be really scary because you've been basically told your entire life, follow a particular path. Like you always have to be employed in the specific way. You're smart. You, you already have a PhD. Like, why would you just sit on it or whatever? And I really don't think that I'm sitting on it. I, I'm kind of using my expertise exactly. in other spaces. And that's another thing that I did want to make sure I, I mentioned in this space, the grad student, postdoc, assistant professorship path is one path. But mm-hmm. there's so many paths that are of equal value. So find the path that works best for you. 
I think that's also something that I, I try to share with younger people, people who are on the path of being a, a junior trainee. Well, I think you just said everything that I believed in, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> because, um, well, th thanks to this podcast, I, I have been this year going to schools to talk to A-level students and also mm. to kids. Yeah. And obviously I'm there to represent my path, right? Yeah. I am going yeah. towards the academic environment. I want to be a group leader. I want to teach. But... I also do science communication. I also have a podcast. I also put things online. Um, I have many different things that I do outside of the lab. And that's, I think that's the important thing, right? To exemplify your path, but also mm -hmm. something that other people is doing and yeah. that they are amazing. One of my very best friends, she did a PhD with me uh, at my university. And now she's creating video games for science, for kids and for teens. <laughs> <laughs> and she's yeah, using she's using her scientific knowledge to create yeah. video games because she yeah. likes those things and she likes virtual reality and she likes all that stuff and yeah. I think it's just fantastic you know that we we get to a point into our careers that we advocate for ourselves and what mm. makes us feel good and yeah. we just work towards it and I think mm. this is something that I've always wanted to highlight in this podcast because that's so brave when when I sit here and I talk to people like you and, and they communicate these things with me, I like I feel so proud. It's just like, oh my oh. God, I am so <laughs> proud of that you are having these decisions for yourself and then you are actually shaping your path the way you want to shape it, not the mm -hmm. way the system wants to shape it or the way others mm -hmm. want to shape it. So I'm really proud of you. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's really kind of you. I'm really proud of you. I still oh, see you, you. <laughs> posting about things on, on the podcast. And I was so excited when I first saw your podcast was coming together. I, I don't remember if I DM'd you or I sent you a message. I was like, yeah. You did. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's always really nice to see another another scientist come into this space of yes. and telling the stories of people who are doing amazing work is so good and uh you were one of the first persons to dm me to <laughs> congratulate me for my podcast uh, so that's why i've been waiting so so excited to to interview <laughs> you finally um <laughs> so i'm just actually gonna take this opportunity because i want to talk about your podcast because yeah. i listen to it and i think no, it's you fantastic don't. Don't. i do <laughs> i do and i think it's fantastic and I think I'm learning so much from the people that you interview. Yeah. And um, I want I want the people that listens to this podcast to know about your podcast. So please tell us about, you know, the ideas and the background behind it and um, how this came out to life. <laughs> <laughs> gladly. I will gladly tell you that story. I was a last year, final year PhD student. And I had already started doing quite a bit of SciComm. So I would do things at Science World, which is our local science center, mm -hmm. and really fun things with kids and things like that, because I liked talking about my work, but not just to adult audiences. I think everyone should know yeah. about the cool things that are taking place in the world of research. Yeah. I came to a point where I was going to a lot of conferences and I got really excited when I got to meet the people who I'd read papers of. Yeah. And, you know, you, you see the name on their little badges and you're like, yes, I know, that. Oh, I know oh you <laughs> like you're famous. Yes, I know <laughs> you. You have 
have a moment where you go, <laughs> wow, like this person is a human being mm-hmm. and they have depth and families and loved ones and things they do for fun. But you wouldn't know that if no. you read their article, you yeah. know all the elements of who they are and their personality. So I thought, okay, cool. That'd be nice to be able to talk about the person who mm-hmm. does all this cool research. Mm-hmm. I simultaneously realized that I was an anomaly in a lot of the spaces that I was in. And I was like, I'm not the only one. I know that for certain. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, if I'm feeling this way and I am a Muslim woman, I'm from East Africa, I've moved around the world and all these categories that I belong to, how about there are other people who belong to various different categories mm-hmm. and you know identify differently? How about they get to tell their story too? Yeah. So that's kind of how it started. I reached out to the communications manager at the center where I was working, the Center Mm -hmm. for Brain Health, and she was phenomenal. She was able to get us funding to get started from the center. Mm -hmm. So all of the equipment that we got early on was funded by them. And so I'm eternally grateful for Mm -hmm. that. And we just started talking to people. We started talking to scientists that I knew. One was an engineer that I was friends with from the time I did my undergrad. And I just wanted people to tell their stories and talk about their work at the same time. Mm -hmm. But I wanted the person to also just get that spotlight. You have so much to who you are beyond what you do in the lab. And the lab stuff is super, super cool. Well, let's talk about you too. Let's talk about you. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And I think you noticed that from the conversation that we've had up until this point, mm-hmm. I really do love talking to people. And Me too. Me too. About people. Oh, <laughs> I can tell. Yeah, I talk a I lot. <laughs> too much. I get, sometimes. That's an asset. That is Yo, an asset in this you. space. <laughs> so yeah, I think that was basically it. That's how I got started. And I haven't really stopped since we're Mm -hmm. in our third season now. That'll be finishing off in April before I take my hiatus for the month of Ramadan when I'll be fasting. Yes. And we've been able to spotlight some incredible people from across the career spectrum. Some Mm -hmm. are in the academic space, some are not. We have people from all over the world, which is really great and truly from all over the world. Yes. And I think that's something that's really important to me. There are also aesthetic differences that I like people to be celebrated for. So mm-hmm. I noticed when I was putting together a presentation recently, I put together, I think, 20 of the guests that I've had, and they all are so beautifully different. I know, I, I know. Yes. I love how different everybody is and how we don't focus on the differences because obviously we're all still human people having human experiences and that's great. Mm-hmm. But I'd love, I love the idea of someone who might be a little bit more junior looking at these faces going that one, she looks like me. That, that one. <laughs> they look like me. Yes. <laughs> I think that's really nice. The same way how, when we were growing up watching television, I don't know if you have the magic school bus in Spain as well, but it was this really popular science show when I was a kid. I think it's kind of popular now too. I'm not sure. I'm so Mm -hmm. out of touch with young people, but (laughs) the teacher was a science teacher who had these powers to transport you to the human body and like go zoom into a blood vessel and take you into the flower petals and show you how bees work and things like that. Mm -hmm. I thought, Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. I would be like Miss Miss Frizzle. Miss- <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, I don't have magical powers and I don't well, have a magic school bus. No. But <laughs> you see characters represented in media mm-hmm. and you say, yeah, I could do cool things too. Yeah. I hope that that comes through in the podcast. Yes, well, definitely it does. And that's why I, I really like your, your message because it's, it's similar to mine. And I, yes. I think we have encountered 
many similar things. I was also putting together a presentation and I put a picture of all my guests. And then I tear up when I saw the slide because I was like, I'm just so proud of all of them. I don't know these people in real life (laughs) because I don't. Well, some of them, yes, because they work on my same university. But exactly like you said, they are so beautifully different. They all have different ethnicities. They all have different backgrounds. They come from different countries. They have different gender assignments, but they are all so good. They love their job so much, but above Mm. everything, they are people, you know, they have, they have values, they have dreams, they have aspirations, and then they just go for them. So it's just so, it's just so inspirational. And, um, Obviously, your podcast is focused on minority groups in STEM as well, which is something that is so important to showcase and so important to represent because I, like if, I don't know, let's say that we do a presentation or we do a Mm -hmm. conference or something about our podcasts and our guests. If a junior person like looks at that presentation and looks at one of the pictures and says, oh, she looks like me. Yeah. or she comes from the same country that I did yeah my job is done but yeah. like, it's definitely done it's just like yes. okay I have put my efforts in this and then someone feels that they are represented in science um because yeah. science looks really inaccessible from the outside and I don't like it yeah. at all um Agreed. so yeah like your podcast is is amazing because it's, it's focused in a specific topic that I think we should talk about it more and yeah. we should put it put it more on the spotlight so people realize what's going on and and mm-hmm. why this deserves to be talked about and showcased. Um, mm-hmm. Have you learned anything in particular by talking to your guests? Like, I know that it's a really long list because I I, I will not be able to say only one thing. Um, yeah. But I don't know something that you have found that I don't know like inspired you or, or you know tackled you in a way that oh wow this makes so much sense now. (laughs) Oh gosh, that is a really hard question. Oh goodness. Mm. Something like when you talk about um, minority groups in STEM, something that you have learned that perhaps you didn't count with before starting the podcast and that it it changed you or it shaped you or inspired you in a way. I thought the thing that has popped into my mind, I'm not sure it changed Mm -hmm. the way that I thought about things, but I would say that it reaffirmed this thing that I'm about to share with you. I think it reaffirmed how different people are, even though we like to bend people. I think it's very easy, especially I think in the science world, but generally human beings are very prone to going, you are from here. That means you're like my friend who's Mm -hmm. also from here and you're very similar when that's a very flawed way to look at people. And again, I recognize we're very prone to thinking like that, Mm -hmm. but it's hard for me to even look at the list of people that I've spoken to and put them in the same group. Even Mm -hmm. if two people come from the same place or even literally went to the same school and had had similar training or anything like that, it's really hard for me to see them as one in the same or their stories don't really mesh together or are too intertwined that I don't remember them separately. Yeah, I just, I see them as separate human individuals living very individual lives with interesting experiences. I think I've also learned that you'll never know someone's story unless you ask them. Yeah, exactly. So you can't look at someone and be like, yeah, I know what you've been through, no. 
You really don't, no matter yeah. who that person is. I think that's something that I probably knew in the back of my mind, mm-hmm. but through the podcast, it really affirms, yeah, you you don't know people. We don't know people. We don't know the no. people who help us out in stores and the people we sit next to on the bus. We don't know people unless yeah. you really take a moment and say, mm-hmm. what's going on with you? How are you today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's... Yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's amazing. And I think it's a fantastic way of making these those stories accessible, right? To people, mm. I think it's fantastic. Um, do you have any projects on the background or in the future from this <laughs> podcast that you want to share with us? Well, a really exciting project that Ooh. I've been working on over the last couple of months was a short film that <gasps> wow. we released in February, earlier this month, actually, yeah, on the 2nd of February, 2022. Mm-hmm. We picked the date because we liked how it sounded. Yes. And that covers the entire origin story of the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's really honest and I'm strangely vulnerable in it <laughs> when I talk about the experiences that I've gone through and the the path that the podcast has really taken me on. Mm-hmm. That's something that was a lot of work, more so probably for the director of the short film, <laughs> but it was a lot of work on my end too. <laughs> a lot of um, shedding some of the external skin that we keep on and the shields yes. that we hold up because we want to be presented and taken as in a particular light, especially in the academic professional space, because how dare you show emotion? How dare you be dynamic and passionate and all that kind of stuff, because they want you to be very stoic and to the point and direct and unbiased, but Mm -hmm. we're all very unbiased, indirect, emotional people, all of us. Yeah. yeah, And I think this pressure, I think this pressure really increases to women, right? Oh, yeah, infinitely so much more. like infinitely um, more you need to look a certain way you need to speak yes. a certain way but yes. if you speak too loud <laughs> then you will come out as braggy yes and if you speak really really low then mm-hmm. you might be looked at oh she's shy or she doesn't yeah. speak enough for herself so it's like you can mm-hmm. never win right it's so exhausting really absolutely and I think so I exhausting. saw that happen because I had a female a woman PI Mm-hmm. And there was one time she had had a meeting. She comes into our joint lab meeting, like our group. And there were about 20 of us in the room at the time. And she said, I just had a call with an industry partner and I said something and I know they heard me. And then another male PI, a man said the exact same thing. Oh. And they went, oh, wow. Yeah. Let's definitely go ahead. Let's and do, do that. that. Sounds oh. like a great idea. And you could tell she was a little deflated by it. And she said, why did that happen? And you could almost see that she didn't want to think that it was because she was yeah. just a woman and things yeah. like that. I was like, God, that sucks. I hate that. I hate when that happens. It's like, I just said the same thing. Like yeah. I literally, it just came out of my mouth. <laughs> why know. now you are believing it because yeah. a man is saying it. It's just yeah. literally makes my blood boil like to a point that I cannot explain with words (laughs) (laughs) I completely agree (laughs) no it's so frustrating and it's a game that you almost have to learn how to play then you're mad that you've learned how to play it yeah where if I have to go to the doctor or something my husband already knows that he has to come yeah because 
they're not going to listen to me if I say, oh, this has been hurting me because mm-hmm. what'll end up happening is, is it really that bad? Are you sure it's that bad? And I'll be like, yeah, it's bad. Then he'll come in and say, it's so bad that she can't do this. Or, and then they'll go, oh, oh wow. So it is serious. Now I'm believing it. Oh my Lord. <laughs> I know. So it's so sad bad. that we both also know, like, I'll be like, are you free that day? Yeah. Sounds good. Oh, it's just so bad. Yeah. So bad. It sucks. Um, so thinking about these last things that we were speaking about, obviously, yeah. um, I podcast about women in science and uh, yeah. medicine, and you are an amazing and fantastic representation for your community and for all women in science, to be honest. Hey. Um, <laughs> so I want to ask you one last question to mm. sadly conclude this episode, because oh. I could I could be speaking to you for days, <laughs> but that will be a very long episode. So... <laughs> If like, you know, um, all my visions about the, visions about this podcast is to inspire the next generation of scientists and our current generations because yes. we could we could all go with a bit more of education, right? Yeah. But thinking about the next generation of scientists, yeah. if you had them in front of you, and uh, I don't know, you know, like a little girl will ask you, well, how do I get into science, or do you have any words of wisdom for me? If that situation was about to happen, what would you tell them? Oh gosh. Okay. This is a difficult question only because I, I'm, I don't think I'm good at giving advice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I think I'm really bad because, you know, I, I have that moment where I go, what if the advice ends up with the wrong, with the wrong person? And then they think, oh, does this apply to me and all that kind of stuff. So I, I usually have two things that I say in okay. the situation, but again, it might not apply to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> So one, I always say, be your most authentic self, come Mm -hmm. as yourself, be exactly who you are. Please don't change who you are because as much as the world will say, uh, we want you to be like this or more like this and less like this. I feel like the the world is a so much better place. If you just come with every aspect of your joy and your laugh. And if you want to wear makeup, wear makeup. If you don't, don't, don't be pressured Mm -hmm. either way. If you are a little bit louder, I mean, let it be. And if you're a little quieter, that should be okay too. Yeah. I feel like you should be able to come as you are. The second one, I'm a little biased, but go where you're wanted. Yes. I feel like be in spaces where you are welcomed and received and adored and respected. I think those kinds of elements you will never forget the person that you know respected you the supervisor that has been championing you for the last 10 years mm-hmm. you'll never forget the lab mate who helped you proof your grant when they were already really really tired yes. after a long day of experiments it's so much harder to do science than to be in science when you don't have that mm-hmm. the fight i mean it's good to make sure that you fight for your spot at the same time i think you end up a much happier person if you haven't had to fight so much Mm -hmm. but I am always really hesitant to say that because people are like oh so you're telling me to quit no 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 I'm not telling no 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 yeah I'm not telling you to quit I think everyone just deserves to have a soft spot so Mm -hmm. perhaps that's not your lab maybe it's an external community yes it's a place where you can go and you can be yourself maybe it's a therapist yeah no or maybe it's a, a friend who has the emotional bandwidth mm-hmm. to listen to you and hear you and know you for who you are. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I know you said that you are not really good at advice, but I think that's an amazing advice, by the way. Oh. <laughs> I think You're they biased. are. No, no, no. I think they are so good. <laughs> and uh, I wish that um, 
a lot of people will hear to this episode because those mm. words of wisdom from from yourself i think they they are going to resonate with a lot of people and it's so important mm. to be not only to be in an environment that you like and mm. makes you feel good but also yeah. be in an environment that you are surrounded by people that want the best for you and mm. that they get happy when you mm. have success and that is so important because sometimes Uh, this has happened to me in many occasions. You are surrounded by people that they question your successes, even if it's just the little, the little, the most little sentence, the the most little comment. It's just yeah. like, why are you questioning it? Yeah. Like I'm not uh, at this point of my life. I mean, I'm not that old, okay? But <laughs> <laughs> at this point of my life, I just don't yeah. think I want to be surrounded anymore by people who question my success my decisions yeah. and yeah. that they just don't get happy about it because that means that you don't respect me enough to be happy about me and then yeah. i'm off if, if <laughs> i'm off if if you don't if you don't want that for me so yeah. amazing advices asma and um Thank you. like i said i could be talking to you for days uh so this this episode has been amazing and i'm so thankful that you are here and part of this small family uh, and yeah I'm just I'm just so happy that I got to talk to you today so thank you so much from the bottom of my heart oh thank you so much it's been such a pleasure I have had this circled in my electronic calendar yes. <laughs> for a very very long time mm. and it has been such a pleasure such a delight and I, I hope that we can continue to chat in the future <laughs> yes yes and definitely i'm hoping that this yeah. will become real one day and we will see each other one day oh that'd be so much fun i would love that <laughs> <laughs> i cannot wait i know I, i want to believe that life will put us in the same space one day and oh, that would be great i know it yes i know it it will it happen too <laughs> yeah if you're still in the uk i'm going through there so much that's insane at least pre-covid so yes <laughs> So Definitely. as soon as this whole thing calms down, I think there are a lot of people that I would like to not only just, you know, see, but like meet in person for the first, exactly. very first time Yes, in my entire life. I look exactly. Thank yeah. you so much, Asma, for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me.